Hey everyone, welcome to King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. As always, this is your boy Drapes. Just kidding, it's Tony. <laughs> <laughs> that always that always just cracks me up. I'm like, did he seriously just say that? The first is time that, I ever heard that. Is that new? <laughs> I think I think I noticed it about like late November. I think. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Oh. You think he? Do you think he just like went in the mirror one day and he's like rehearsing it? He's like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> like this is this is my new thing. I bet his kid recommended it to him. He seems like the type of guy that'd be like, "My kids give really good advice." I'm like, "I think you're just trying to be nice." <laughs> yes. Anyways, um, it's not your boy Drape. Sorry to uh, maybe disappoint anyone who actually thought it was. It's Tony with me as always. We have John. Um, well, happy New Year, everyone. It's uh, 2023. 22's in the past, um, and it was you know it was a good 2022. Uh, for Kings fans, maybe one of the better 20 or not 2022s, one of the better calendar years the Kings have had in a long time. And I think that's where we want to start it off today is just a year in review 2022. Um, John, do you, I mean, you want to kick it off January well, 1st, 20. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. Before we chronicle 2022, I do, I did write in my notes my first, I did document the first time I remember him saying, It's your boy Drapes. <laughs> it was on no- November. Yeah, it was on November thirteenth. I got it here in my notes against the Golden State Warriors. November thirteenth against the Warriors. Yes. yes, I believe that was well, the first day of the City Edition uniform. Oh, if, the, if there's any correlation there, but um, maybe he just was inspired. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember I did. I'm like, it's in here somewhere, and it's like on the <laughs> left side. I just remember it, and I did it. If you had and- a rank. I mean, we're, I'm going to go on a quick tangent. If you had to rank the Kings announcers, um, like first, second, and third with Mark, Kyle, and Katie, could you, would you be able to rank them for me in your, in your subjective opinion right now? Um, okay. I don't know. I know that there's a lot of mixed opinions, so I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. So I feel very comfortable getting my feet into this. Um, you know, I think that, she says a lot of things that sometimes make me roll my eyes and just go like, what the hell are you even talking about? Cause I think her job is PR <laughs> for the team <laughs> partially, but I do think Katie Christensen, he, she does provide very valuable analysis, which you can't really say that about the other two. No, um, that's fair. That's fair. That's so a good. She, yeah, she slides up. She basically floats to the top there. So she's um, number one, Katie Christensen. Number one in my heart. <laughs> Number one in my heart, Katie Christensen. How you doing? I I hear it's just Katie Christensen now. Yeah, uh, she dropped that hunter. I don't I don't know how long ago, but I don't yeah. know, man. I don't know. She, she and she wasn't she wasn't Katie. I feel like she was Katie Hunter, and then she and then it was Katie Christensen Hunter, and then she and so when Katie Christensen, Katie Hunter, Katie Christensen Hunter, and now she's just Katie Christensen again. And it was like it was like in a very like. Maybe like a two or three year span when all that happened. Maybe even two well, seasons, I swear. But yeah, Katie, 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 Christ- Katie Christensen's number one in my heart, and I'm now okay. the Katie Christ. I'm now the Katie Christensen hunter. I'm on the hunt. I'm after you, like uh, uh-huh. like the wolf. No, I'm like, just kidding. Uh, like Duran Duran, <laughs> Duran Duran, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, and then number two for me, just because I kind of have an affinity for him, I just kind of think he's kind of. <laughs> I mean, if we started off the podcast, it's kind of like he's just kind of a, it's just it's kind of a funny guy. I don't know, like you know, like uh, 
maybe it's not intentional, but I'm not laughing at him. You know what I mean? It's just like he just cracks me up in a weird way. <laughs> Even though I don't say, I think he's probably got the least basketball knowledge of the three. Um, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Draper is number two. And then Mark Jones is number three. And Mark Jones just, <sighs> Mark Jones is like, um, he's just, he's, I get, like, a lot of people like him, but he's just not for everybody. He's just, uh, he's kind of, He's probably the least genuine of the three. I think he's yeah. the least, the least genuine. Professional. Like, and I, I think he, tr- he tries a little too hard. Yeah. I don't. I, I think people who think he has a big vocabulary um, are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, he uses he, he his uh, redundancy with word choice drives me nuts. But uh, I'm a literature major, so that's kind of I just that's it. That's honestly obnoxious for me to even point out. But you know. He, he, I think another thing too is he's probably the, he just seems the least invested and knowledgeable about the franchise. Like Christensen and, and, and Drapes, um, <laughs> they, they seem so, uh, they seem like they're kind of like they're part of this. I don't know. Like Mark Jones has got that ESPN job and all that and good for him. But, um, I don't know. It kind of, I feel like it takes away from some of his, uh, uh, knowledge of the King. Sometimes it feels like, like, I think I saw a tweet. Someone was like, it just doesn't even sound like he knows anything about the Kings. You know, you wouldn't even know that these are the home announcers, that these are the night in and night out announcers. And they're pointing mostly to him. And I don't want to, like, dog on him too much. I feel like now I'm dogging on him too much. But uh, yeah, I do think he's funny when he starts, like, I told, I said this earlier a couple of weeks ago. I, said, I like it when he, like, whips out some rap lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, okay, all right. He just, that kind of stuff cracks me up. He just, he's kind of like, um, He's, he's, he's just like, he's just a, he's an interesting personality. Um, it makes me laugh every once in a while, but kind of makes me kind of groan a lot and roll my eyes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what, I know what I would like to see. Um, I, I would like to see a broadcasting duo of Jones and Drapes. I think because it's always, it's either Draper and Christensen or Jones and Christensen. I, I think, I think Drapes could do that swingman role. I think he could go over and do color commentary. I feel bit. like he would be better at color commentary. I mean, not so much in the in like the basketball knowledge part, I suppose. But I don't. He's not a very good like play by play guy. I think Jones would definitely be better at that. Um, but I feel like that combination would, it would remind me of like Grant and Jerry a little, where Grant was like this super serious guy, like professional like i'm a broadcaster and jerry's over there just making yeah just kind of like an oddball just like saying these weird things like and then grant's just over there like shaking his head he's like jerry like shut the hell up dude like (laughs) what are you talking about like this old this old fucking crazy man like all right yeah they don't they don't really make broadcasting duos like that anymore they're definitely not part of the it doesn't help the brand i don't think Um, yeah but um Cause you could tell, you could tell it's just with like, um, with Christensen, it's just like, that's one of the biggest negatives is when she just, she says stuff that it's like, you're not being honest. This team's playing terribly. You know, yeah. it's usually things like that. It's like, that's when it drives me nuts. Cause it's just like, well now you're a PR person. And it's funny. Cause like on away games, cause you know, it's expensive to travel journalists really, except for Jason Anderson, apparently, um, <laughs> uh, uh, most of the journalists can't travel on the road, but so you'll have like Katie Christensen sometimes asking questions and it's just kind of like, it's just like, I get, you need, it's nice to have, you know, Brown respond to outside thoughts and whatnot, but it's just like, it just, 
those questions are just not going to be tough at all because it's like her job is is not to critique Mike Brown. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so no, I don't yeah. know. That's it's just I guess it's funny because you brought up the old broadcasting crew and I just feel like you know that was a little more. I guess the objective the better in my opinion. You know. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, that should be. I and mean, it's like journalism 101, right? And you have to be objective. And Absolutely. And especially for a franchise that hasn't been to the playoffs in 16 years, it's like, don't bullshit these people. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's worse than the the Kings being down like 30. And Katie's like, I don't think the Kings' play tonight is reflected of the score. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, she says that way too often in blowouts. I'm like, we're down by 30. <laughs> they look like shit all night. Like, why are you, yeah. why are you like docking them up now? Like, it's like... It's like, yeah, this game's not out of hand yet. You know, like like the 25-point deficit nowadays is like a 15-point deficit a couple of years ago. I'm like, if there's three minutes left in this game. We're shooting 20% from three. Like, what, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. And I think also there's just also like another element to her that's just like it brings out like the worst like side of a fan where it's just like every foul call that doesn't go. Like, now, granted, I think this most recent game against the Grizzlies, that was one where I don't think I've seen like such a disparity in fouls being distributed since like the no call to Kevin Herter's three point attempt against the Warriors earlier in the season. Like I mm-hmm. haven't had a moment like that since because that game it's definitely freaking Jaw Morant, which is just <sighs> he gets me to clinch my jaw. That's why they call him Jaw Morant because he just <laughs> pisses me off. It's like what the f- like this guy. It's ridiculous. One of the 40, 40 wins, baby, the summer league, our, our boy, uh, Nadim the Dream. <laughs> Nadim post- and uh, Sean. Yeah, well, it was Nadim, Sean who think, said it. Okay. Yeah, but Nadim, I think, I think he posted on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I'm not close friends with this fellow at all, but he's, you know, we, we, we had him on the podcast. Nice guy, and he's a King's legend. Um, but he, 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 uh, he posted that the Kings ought to start screaming every time that they approach the rim because that seems to be the secret to Ja Morant's, you know, ability to get fouls. And he does. He freaking is Tarzan freaking swinging through the freaking jungle in there going, followed by whistle. And he, he's turning into the new Harden in that sense. It's just like, yes. I'm just going to run as hard as I can into the paint and just create as much contact as I can. And, there's, you know, the, I'll probably get a call to go my way. And it's how it seems to be when he plays the Kings. I don't watch the Grizzlies outside of the Kings games, but every time he plays the Kings, that's how it is. So I can't imagine it's much different. It's just it's just the worst kind of basketball, just trying to draw fouls. And, yeah, he's a good finisher. But it's just like, stop rewarding this guy for just, you know, running straight into the paint, arms flailing and expecting to get a call because contact is obviously going to get, you know, get made. So don't, yeah. let's not get started on job. Well, yeah, <laughs> but my, my point about Katie yes. Christensen was that, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. and all in the 99, other 99% of games, it's just like every freaking call does not go the King's way. It's just like, Oh, come on. He's pushing. Or it's just like when the, they were playing the Suns, it's like Devin Booker's pushing off. I'm like, dude, like, where have you been, man? Like when it, it's hardly a push off. And it's like, you go to the other side of the floor. You're seeing monk do it in that game. I remember, I think it happened in my notes. I could pull it up, uh, but uh, it's just like those things balance out. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I that, Grizzlies, that Grizzlies, that Grizzlies game was this most recent one was an exception. I do feel. Yeah. I feel of, it. Like that Lyles blocking foul. That was just, and then they challenged and I thought, okay, they're going to overturn that. And it's just like, no, 
<laughs> and and you know the other thing because uh, John Morant they correctly called him for a block because his foot was in the restricted area. Yeah. But the amount of bitching that guy does, I'm just like, dude. <laughs> like I don't know. You never won a championship. But you, you, do you yeah. Even, have you earned this? Like yeah. Why the hell? Exactly. I feel like maybe this is just like I, I I admit that like my knowledge outside of the Kings when it comes to the NBA is not it's super extensive. Like, but. It does feel like that the NBA really pushed John Morant more than Morant pushed himself in terms of like <laughs> becoming a preeminent star. Am I crazy about that? No, they it- were really pushing him. Like I think at the end of his second season, and he's a fun player. I get it. He's like a highlight. He's a highlight reel, right? That's why everyone loves him. He's he because he gets to the the rim like that, and he has great finishes, and he can throw him down, and he tries to throw him down. You know, he's he's fearless. Uh, and you know, going in, on the drive, but. Yeah, they, they pushed that a little too hard, and it's yeah he he knows it you know he he sees that and the media the media at the end of the day is the one who decides who's a star and who's not right. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, yeah, he's uh, I I I don't like Moran. I really don't like the Grizzlies at all. Um, Steven I, Steven Adams though, I just have I like Steven Adams. I, I really yeah, do. That guy he killed us. <laughs> He's the, he's the he's the real MVP of that team. Oh yeah, he's he's great. I, yeah, Stephen Adams is hard to hate him, but everyone else. I don't like Dylan Brooks. I don't like Desmond Bain. It's just like all these guys. Like I just cannot stand them. It, I don't know. It's something about them. Something about the Grizzlies. I just I just don't like them. They seem like I a think bunch this of that that honestly. that that Warriors series last year kind of like put them in a interesting <laughs> light. I feel like a lot of people saw them differently during that, even though I'm like, it's a playoff series, but <sighs> I don't know. The Grizzlies. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame, but, um, it's a shame yeah. they could not pull that one out, but uh, we were, we were, you know, did you want to, did you want to rank? Did you have, did were you, were you kind of saying earlier that Kyle Draper was your number one? I was going to say Draper is my number one. Yeah. He uh, does seem like the guy I'd want to get a beer with. Yeah, it just like I just I don't <laughs> like I feel like it's just like three not very good options personally. It's like yeah, like I gotta rank these guys. So it's like Draper, I don't know. He's just a he's just a goofball, I guess. <laughs> that's like that's yeah. number one for me. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's your boy, Drapes. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I, I hate it. I hate when he says that, but it's just like whatever. You're number one. I just like his <laughs> His uh, phrases. He's heating up like a fine wine. I remember he said that. Like, what? Like, what? <laughs> okay. And it's not even funny. It's like pisses me off. Like, this is my broadcasting crew, but he's just like, he's just like there to have a good time, it seems like. And it's something I appreciate. Mark Jones comes off way too fake. I feel like, I don't know. Just like, if you want to be the King's announcer, do it full time or don't do it at all. At least Draper, Draper would take the job full time. And I get Mark Jones has the ESPN job. It's like, I don't know. Either do it full time or don't do it at all. That's my opinion. You're not Katie, Mike Breen in the Knicks. Mike yeah, Breen in exactly. the Knicks. It's the only, it's a little, yeah, it's a little different. And that's the freaking yeah. Knicks. It's, like, it's the Knicks. Yes, exactly. It's just like Mark. Yeah, it's Mark. Like, <laughs> anyone else. Maybe not anyone else, but maybe it's other people I'd be okay with. Like Mark Jones. Like, come on. I didn't. You couldn't. I didn't know Mark Jones existed or was an ESPN broadcaster before he joined the Kings. Honestly, I probably like, oh yeah, that guy. But like, I didn't know Mark Jones, and I didn't really care. You know, 
It was yeah, it's like Mike Breen, Kevin Harlan. His name isn't up there with those those guys and those Okay, I, I don't think I don't think Kevin Harlan's a good announcer at all. But I love I Kevin Harlan. I think he's just kinda of, he's he's kinda of, maybe it's late late yeah, he's got the voice, sure. But he's uh, maybe it's lately. He just seems like he's a little he's kinda of losing it, I think. And I don't I, really think he was I don't think he was ever like the most perceptive of them. Like Mike Breen is my favorite. There's a reason he does the finals. He's He's gonna be a, he's gonna go down in history. Yeah, so many them, really all the good. all the bang call. I mean, that's just like one of those things that doesn't get old, which is like yeah. rare. You that have to that true. just has to be organic, and it just yeah. it is. This everything he just came up through the soil organically. Mm-hmm. Felt like I don't know, at least based on his work. What what is Kevin Harlan's TNT? What is he? Yeah, TNT, and I think he also does football games and shit. He does do football games. Yeah. Um, I think on CBS. I think he's a CBS guy. Yeah, I and I think that's I think that's what I'm thinking of mostly because I think he's a he's probably I, I probably should give him more credit in terms of doing basketball, but football it's just like I don't know. Yeah, I it think seems he's, like he's meant to meant to do basketball because it almost seems like he's trying to do football. I mean, basketball yeah. commentary when he's doing football. This has turned into a whole analysis. Of- <laughs> it just this isn't even games anymore. But, this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you guys are enjoying it, nonetheless. But uh, well, if yeah, you, no. you made it, if you made it this far, here's a code for 100 percent off at this team shop. No, <laughs> um, no, um, just gonna get, just gonna get back on track. We got a lot of things on the docket. Let's get to, let's stick to course here. 2022 in review, Sacramento Kings. Um, it was a good year. You know, we heard the first um, saying of it's your boy drapes in 2022, the highlight of the year so far um, or of the year it's over. So not so far. Um, but on a, you know, on a real note, they got some bonus played, you know, not played. I mean, they've been playing well and the 2022 three season um, and just had a really good off season. Got Keegan Murray. Uh, John wrote an article about how it was kind of just a Monte McNair highlight reel in 2022. Do you want to go a little into that? Well, yeah, I think it's important to think back to 12 months ago. <laughs> uh, Tony, what was your uh, on New Year's Eve 2021 going into 2022? Uh, what was your thoughts on a team? What was their record then? It was just like. <laughs> It wasn't it was, good. No, they were probably, fifteen and fifteen and twenty-two. Yeah, and just like no hope, really. It's like Luke Walton just got fired, and I think they weren't like just nothing had really shifted. You know? <laughs> I think I think New Year's Eve with I think Alvin Gentry had that quote where he's just like, "I'm just gonna go home and drink," <laughs> right? <laughs> Didn't he have that quote? He's just like, "I'm done with this. Like, I'm gonna go home. And I'm gonna go drink." I'm gonna see if I can find that quote somewhere. It might be a second, but um, it was everything was just looking like, oh my god, Fox after having a great season the year before just was looking terrible. And you're like, oh god, and he's first year of that contract extension, you know, like <laughs> good or maybe was it? Yeah, it was his first year last year. Or was I forget? But um, it was everything was just looking down. We just 
yeah, it just, it's just everything look, was looking terrible. Not a lot of hope. Yeah. And, it, you know, we you were looking for a trade. That was like, okay, like the Kings need to choose a direction at this trade deadline. You either tank or you have to make a big move. And But it's, there was no direction. They were just in the middle. The Kings forever were just like, we're not good enough to get the first pick, but we're not bad enough to make the, or sorry, we're not bad enough to get the first pick or even like a top three pick. And, but we're not good enough to even make the play-in. You know, they made it even easier for the Kings to make it past regular season basketball, and they still couldn't do it. So it was just like year after year. I mean, it was the second or third year with the play-in. It's like the Kings still can't make it there. Um, and so it was just like, you, you just need to choose direction. Instead of, like, it was the worst kind of purgatory because it's like <laughs> it, you you weren't getting either of those things. So, um it was, it was, it was all the anticipation was at the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of names being thrown around like Ben Simmons, Sabonis, uh, even Jeremy Grant, um, Julius Randall. There's a bunch of names. So at the end of the day, obviously we all know we got Sabonis. And looking back at all those trades, it's like, man, that was probably the best one you could have. I mean, he was the best player out of those guys. Like, he no like none of those other guys I mentioned are even on par with what Sabonis is doing this year, but uh, I don't yeah. want to jump ahead too far. If you wanted to say more, on well, where the kids th- were, two things. I mean, yeah, the Alvin Gentry quote: "If anybody needs me, I'll be home drinking." After they lost to the Mavericks, that's yeah. That, uh, Was that New Year's that Eve. Kind of, yeah, that kind of sums up that, that encapsulates that that moment in time, the essence of it for Kings fans and the Kings organization in a nutshell. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's amazing that anybody would want, there are people that wanted miles Turner and uh, I'm glad, I'm glad they got a Sabonis, you know, because uh, like you said, he, he is the best player of those ones that seemed to be on that kind of, you know, revolving list of potential players that, could be moved. Although, I mean, Siakam was also kind of involved. Oh, yeah, Siakam. But, mm. but I don't know. I feel like like Domas is like he's like he's a top top center. You know, it's like you got Jokic, you got Embiid. It's not crazy to put Sabonis third, is it? I I, I think it is. I think it's just correct at this point. Yeah. I, had, I mean, there's there's Bam. There's I don't know. Like who else is there really? Yeah, who's an all-star Sabonis. center in the league? Yes, it's got to be Sabonis. It um, is. It is Sabonis. And you know that <laughs> changed everything. And it was just like that was like that seismic shift. And it it was the <laughs> the classic instance of a drastic change. And drastic change kind of makes a lot of people uncomfortable, especially when you're moving a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. But I mean, as this year came to a close. All you could do, you know, as you're looking at the Kings, they were sitting like fifth or sixth place in the West uh, when the when the ball dropped, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> and it's just like you think you, you can't help but to think back to that February trade. That's when it, everything started ticking upwards. You could see it immediately because like we said, you know, like around the new year, I think it was less than a month after Walton got fired. And it's just like no change. This team is just seems like it's sinking it's it's continuing its descent and 
the Sabonis trade, I mean, like the very the game, the first game that they played, which was that second of uh, basically a, a doubleheader against whatever you want to call it against Minnesota. The, yeah. yeah, against Minnesota. And it's just like Fox had just come back, I think, the game beforehand, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, they, yeah, exactly. And then it's just like you bring Sabonis in and it was a different style of basketball. They're playing it on the fly, first of all, which was amazing. Like he just gotten traded. He just got into town that day and they come in and it's just a completely different freaking team. I mean, quite literally half the team was different basically by the end of the trade deadline. But, you know, it, it everything went uphill from there at least to where we stand now. And again, it's like, all right, Sabonis is the big reason for that. But it's like, oh, who got Sabonis? Monty McNair in the front office. It's like, ooh, you know? And it, you go down the line, and it's like, he's kind of behind everything as we'll kind of lay out. Um, but that Sabonis trade just changed everything. You could see it. Um, even the other trades he made, I mean, he, he got Trey Lyles, which is... I definitely would not have imagined it when the trade happened or even a week after the trade happened would not have imagined that Trey Lyles would be an important member of this team. And yet once he got put in the starting lineup and basically, basically through most of this season, aside from his kind of like falling out of the rotation there for a second, he's been great. He's been just an absolute shot in the arm for this team. And then even, I don't even think you can discount the acquisition of Dante DiVincenzo, even though it was, really just a rental um because they ended up going with monk in the offseason but i think divincenzo really kind of like instilled kind of some form of a defensive identity in this team and he really i think his influence on davion mitchell which maybe we haven't seen the full uh effects of that yet or like a full davion mitchell at his full potential yet um i would hope uh i think uh divincenzo's effect on him and even the team's kind of competitive attitude on that end of the floor really kind of set the tone for what they were able to do. Obviously, Mike Brown comes in. He gets all the credit for any of the uh, – and him and Jordy Fernandez get all the credit for any defensive improvement this year. But I think that's still kind of underrated, that kind of acquisition. And, you know, even if they didn't make the plan, it didn't really ever seem like they were going to make the plan. But the ultimate takeaway from the last you know month or two of the season was – This team is, as Dante DiVincenzo said, forming good habits. And that's all you could do. And they had a a foundation that was clear, and they had a direction. And it only got better through the offseason. You know, Mike Brown gets a lot of credit for what this team's done this season. Um, McNair hired him. That was McNair's guy through the final process, I guess, more than anything. And, you know... His offseason, he acquires, he drafts Keegan Murray, who, I mean, it's really early, but, you know, that guy make, is making valuable contributions and is a kind of a, a nice presence despite being a first-year player on a team that's winning, and he's making an impact. So, and I think his ceiling, what he'll be able to do in this league based on what we've seen is incredible, and I think most people agree with that. And then obviously getting Monk and Herter and setting this team on a course where most of the guys are around a certain age group, like talking about picking that direction. He did it quite like uh, he, he, he really kind of narrowed it down into something very specific. And you can see what this team is doing. You can see what the goal is. You can see what the, what they imagine is on the horizon in the next three or four years. And I mean, 
when have you ever had that kind of like hope and like immediate results too? Cause they have a winning record now they're playing pretty good basketball. I mean, they kind of got some issues, you know, at this point in the season, but who doesn't, um, I don't know. Maybe I skipped through kind of the last part there, but it's McNair. And also I can't forget that there was the report in April from uh, Jason Anderson that McNair, according to an unnamed minority owner, is uh, fully in charge. He's head the snake there. Not no no meddling from Vivek Radhive, which, as some people have pointed out, he deserves some credit too for staying out of the way. And I guess I'm not gonna be a jackass and withhold that from him. So credit to Vivek for just staying out of the way. But you know, this team is it's it's incredible. I guess just if calendar year looking from January to, to now, uh, the progression has been the best that this franchise has seen in a, in a decade and a half. Yeah. And I think something that is so great about 2022 is that it's going to, it's just really set everything up for an even better 2023 because when 2024 hits, um, you know, I can't predict the future, but I'm assuming we're going to be saying even better things than what we were saying for 2022. I mean, hopefully it starts off with a McNair contract extension. Hopefully we can say they made the playoffs. Hopefully we can they can say they picked up a couple other pieces because now the Kings are making themselves. If they continue to play this way, they're they're putting themselves in a position where free agents would want to come here. And it started with Malik Monk, really. Um and now the Kings have a winning record and they got a good tandem and some bonus and Fox and a good coach and a good front office. Like then we're going to be like, okay, well the Kings picked up these pieces in the off season to really help them take the next step. And then hopefully at the end of 2023, they're near the top of the top of the West. Uh, kind of like they are this year. They're what fifth or sixth uh, seed right now. So, and they ended the year in fourth place in the West. Um, after the Clippers lost to the uh, the Pacers. So, I mean, <laughs> when was the last time the Kings ended the calendar year in fourth place? Probably a very long time ago. So, it's just been um, it's been a great 2022. But like I said, it just it, everything's setting up for future success. And I think we can, like you said, it's like, when was there this much hope like going forward? And it's just... Yeah, it's a, all credit. All the credit goes to McNair. He's been awesome. He's orchestrated all of this, and he's just put together such a good unit, such a good team, coaching staff, um, players, just everything. So it's been awesome. Twenty twenty two was probably the best calendar year since maybe the playoff days. Really, it's hard to compare. Just I think so many things went right. I think to translate what Tony's saying, Tony's saying that 2022 is the best year for him since the year he first got a girlfriend. Yeah. So. It's just, <laughs> just everything's been going up since then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, man, 2022. I mean, there's nothing more to linger on there. We'll have to see what happens in 2023. I mean, if they break a playoff drought, that's quite the leap. Dude, God, I mean, I mean, kind of just talking ahead of yourself, but you know, I'm not getting ahead of myself, but I mean, right now the Kings are trending toward playoffs They're They have a playoff record and there is still four, three months left of basketball and some change, but, um, you know, they're trending that way. And 
kind of just looking back on the past week that uh well, who do we play on Friday? Some uh the Jazz. Man, Golden One Center was so fun to listen to. Um and that jazz game, they were electric. And when Herder hit that three to really ice that game or to just win it, man, that crowd was electric. I, uh, I just like that dream, that thought of what what's the Golden One Center? Not just in the arena during that first playoff game in Sacramento since 2006. But it's just that atmosphere in downtown, in in the city. It's gonna be. Uh, I just cannot wait. And I'm not like I'm not jinxing it because I'm not saying they're for sure locked this year, but. You know, it definitely seems they're trending in that direction. And it's just something that once it finally comes, it's going to be so electric and so fun just to be around. And the city's just going to be beaming, I guess. No pun intended. <laughs> they're just going to be lit, I guess. Fucking... Yeah. <laughs> no pun again. But uh, I don't know. That, 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 uh, that jazz game was fun to watch. It was a fun game. And. It was just so fun seeing the crowd get into it. And the city deserves it all. And you know what? Monte, you know, making a lot of people's dreams uh, happen. So, yeah, good way, to, good way to cap off the year. Yeah, yeah. But 2023 is here and 2023 has its own set of challenges. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about that Memphis game not too long ago. And uh, one of the things that stood out was that aside from Sabonis, really? Uh, well, I mean, nobody. It's, it's the whole team. Let's, let's point to that. Nobody scored over. Nobody even got to twenty points on the game. The highest score for the Kings was Darren Fox at nineteen, and that's the guy that, um, aside from I guess Stephen Adams and the rebounding um, differential, uh, Darren Fox. People pointed to him is kind of. Because this was another game where, you know, uh, Fox goes out there and he's going head to head against John ja Morant. And we've, you know, spoken our mind on John ja Morant. A lot of people have. But the point is, he put up 35 points. And Darren Fox put up 19, only really finding a rhythm kind of later in the third and then later in the fourth. And I've seen this talked about on social media and here and there and it really popped into my mind when I was watching this game and kind of thinking back at the end of it um it's the idea that does there need to be a change in the rotational situation the minutes distribution the the the, the framework I guess for how subs go through for Fox because Fox gets taken out of the game five or six minutes into the first quarter and then comes back in like four minutes left and then plays into like the second with the second unit and then comes out for two minutes midway through the third to finish out or midway through the second to finish out this, you know, the, the half. And then it's basically the same thing into the second half. And one of the things that's interesting is, well, for a long time, Fox has often been described as a guy that doesn't take off right away at the beginning of the game. If I'm not mistaken saying that, but you know, it doesn't help as people note, especially since you're kind of seeing that in games such as this Grizzlies game, it does not help or it doesn't seem to help that he's getting taken out of the game early and you can see the effects of it because he didn't really get a rhythm until late in the game, put up most, I think seven points each in the second and fourth quarters. 
and you know he didn't do much in the first and second and it's just do you do, i'm interested to know what your thoughts on that is because it's been something that's been talked about but i feel like it's really coming to the forefront yeah um I, yeah I, I, that's great maybe leave fox in and take sabonis out first and let him get into his groove because yeah it, fox is he he needs time to get into that rhythm right his he's more of a like a you know a layup guy and someone who kind of needs to settle into that jump shot during the game so yeah might as well just leave him in there longer at the beginning maybe pull sabonis first just so he has more time to get that jump shot flowing because if that jump shot's not hidden I mean, for him to be effective on that drive, he at least to be he at least needs to be effective at the mid range. And if you know you take him out five minutes in, and he doesn't have that shot going. Well, now he's going to start looking in for it in the second to get going. If it's still not going, then you're kind of messing with his minutes. Then you know it, sometimes it doesn't start hitting until the fourth. I mean, I think sometimes that's why he's such a good fourth quarter scorer and that clutch scorer because that's when his jump shot's going. You kind of want that thing going all game. And that's something, yeah, it just kind of been happening for, it seems for a minute now, it's that he doesn't really get going until late in halves or late in the game when he's been in there shooting, I guess, that jumper. I think for Fox, a lot starts with that jumper. Then you start seeing him settle and things like that. And I don't know. It's just, yeah, I don't know. You just got to, you got to let him, let him get into his rhythm first before you just yank him out. What, what do you think? I think another interesting aspect of this, and I just thought about this, is it's like, so Sabonis got into, he got two early fouls in the in the game, and then Holmes came in early. And Holmes, um, we'll, we'll talk about him in a second. I don't want to delve too much into his performance lately, but he held his own. I mean, he's not the the greatest, um, you know, I guess. He's, as people point out, it's not like he's going to go in there and, and, and defend the paint like a stud, but it's like the the point of this team is to defend on a string and you could hear it in Mike Brown's uh, post game press conference after the Grizzlies loss that, you know, guys have got to step up and rotate. It's not just, you know, getting a kind of reiterating the idea that you don't really need a shot blocker or room protector. Um, But my point is that Holmes came in, gave a pretty steady amount of minutes midway through the first for most of the first quarter there. And then Sabonis comes back and as Sabonis always does, he doesn't miss a beat. And, that almost kind of seemed like a glimpse into exactly what could happen. And if, you know, we'll, again, we'll talk about this in a second, but if Holmes really does fill in as the backup five or if they get another backup five or whatever, if they have a steady option there, that definitely makes it easier to make that switch. And I wonder if lacking that has anything to do with not wanting to do this or sticking with a certain rotational kind of strategy or anything like that. Because it's, it's it's interesting to see the dynamic there because that definitely matters because you get the benefit of bringing in Davion Mitchell and he has that ball pressure and he's making a difference on the game without a doubt. He's going to give you a baseline, uh, you know, productivity, mostly on the defensive end. But, you know, you know what you're going to get and it's going to be positive from, from uh, Mitchell. Whereas with the backup center, it was kind of like a game of Russian roulette where five chambers had bullets in it. And it's just like, <laughs> that's not great. <laughs> you know, it's, that's not fun. So, um, you know, I wonder how much that plays into it. And if the backup center thing kind of remains resolved, I guess would be the word, um, or continues to stay that way. Uh, if that makes it easier, cause it does seem like, I mean, a Fox could, you know, 
get it going. I mean, he he's so good. And it just seems like, you know, I think a lot of it's on him, obviously. I mean, like we pointed out before that he's had games and the injury and stuff like that obviously played into it. But it's like he had that game against the Suns where Devin Booker went off and it's just like, where are you, De'Aaron Fox? What's going on here? And that really, when you start talking about all-star chances, it's starting to feel, because of games like this, it's starting to feel less and less likely, you know? Yeah, 100%. He's definitely playing himself out of an all-star selection. Mm-hmm. He just he just can't, I don't know, the dude's just not scoring. Like, he was. And he, and he had that one streak, I think, in early November, um, where he was just incredible. Like, he, he, was, he was hitting that mid-range just Every time. And it was, you know, it's something you can't rely on to happen all year round. But it's just he's just too inconsistent with it nowadays. And and he just seems like he's settling on and he's still really good with his mid range, but he's just very inconsistent on driving. Seems like he's settling on three pointers far too much now. Um and just sometimes like, dude, just like why are you not getting into the lane? Just that's <laughs> it's kind of what we need you to do. That's what you're best at. It just doesn't seem to be doing that as much. And I get it. It's a toll on the body and the season's going on. But, um, I mean, you see Jaw doing it. You see all the other all-stars putting their body on the line and getting there. So That's what he's being paid to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, and, it really and, isn't an excuse. And I get, like, I think Fox is still, like, such a great player. I mean, like, his defense this season, I mean, it's it's been great. And... He, he does such a good job on that, and, and he's doing such a good job in other aspects that, you know, I think in terms of leadership um, and then other stuff on the floor, like three-point shooting and things like that. Everything's kind of like up in a way, but it's like you got to be able – you got to be the leading scorer on this team. You got to – like that's that's you, dude. <laughs> like, come on. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but, I really don't like seeing Fox score less than 20. I really don't like him seeing score less than 25 a game. I, I think – Especially in the NBA now, when points are being inflated so much, like Fox, dude, like you scored twenty five a game two seasons ago. Like, what happened to that guy? And you're, it seems like you're a far better shooter now this year too. Like, why aren't you? Like, what what changed? He just, I don't know. I, I thought we were going to be done with this, and at the beginning of the season, he started off so strong, which is something he usually doesn't do. Um, but now it's like seem, seemingly to catch up now. It's seeming to catch up now. Um, he just, he's just very inconsistent. He'll have like a couple of three, a good three or four game stretch. It's like, okay. Then he'll like, okay, 19 points. While, while John Morant, you're like, if anyone's your arch nemesis in this league, it's that guy. You're going to put up 19 points. Like, yeah, it's just frustrating. It's like, dude, yeah, you're, you're our best scorer. You should at least be putting up 25 if John Moran's putting up 35. You can't be putting up 19 points. Sabonis is putting up 18, and he's a pass-first guy. You know? Like, why are you only putting up 19, and you're a score first? I wonder. You start searching for answers, and it it almost feels like things kind of do funnel down to that rotational question. Um, Yeah. Might as well. I mean, they, they should both be okay um, and whatever unit they're in, I mean, Sabonis is just a great passer. He'll make anyone around him better. And Fox should be able to score with whoever's, regardless of whoever's around him. 
But uh, maybe maybe just leaving Fox in a little longer to get into that groove so he can start hitting down that mid-range jumper. Because like I said, that thing becomes very critical late in games. Or even just to cut into or build leads or cut into leads or whatever. Because if he's not getting it done to the fourth quarter, like who knows what the gap is between or how how far we might be behind by that point because he could never get that flow going. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll see. It's uh, it's Mike Brown's problem, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, um, but it does seem like something might need to change. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Because uh, we know what Fox can do, and he's not doing it. And so I'm not I'm not worried about Sabonis. Sabonis is going to do what Sabonis is going to do. Um, he has, I mean, he doesn't have an easier job, but I don't know. Fox, if you're expecting points out of Fox... You know, I think it's, I think it's a little harder, I guess, really. You want him to go and score 30? It's a little, I don't know. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay Sabonis. But Sabonis is already a great passer. It's a great rebounder. And those are important aspects of the game. But, um, you know, expecting Fox to go out there and get buckets when you need buckets to be gotten, it's a little, a little bigger of an ask, you know. Um but that's our guy to do it. And recently, it doesn't, like, he does it in the fourth very well. But sometimes I'm like, dude, like, we need a score right now when the team start going on runs or something or whatever. And it's like, all right, Fox, go drive into that paint and get that, get that layup or get that midi going. But he just doesn't seem to be that bucket getter um, that we know he can be as of late. Mm-hmm. Yes, it'll be something interesting. It'll be a nice storyline to keep an eye on here in 2023. Um, I guess kind of thinking about another one that's interesting is um, the last time we did a podcast, news had just broken um, about uh, <laughs> about uh, Delmas's broken thumb. The news broke about a broken thumb. And uh, Sabonis uh, missed one game, came back, taped it up, just like my thumb should have been taped up when I was a child. <laughs> um, uh, and Domas did the exact opposite. He he uh, decided not to go with the dramatic thing of getting surgery. <laughs> and he's going to play through it because he knows that if he misses, what, four to six weeks, whatever it is, uh, well, that would really put a big dent in their playoff chances, uh, the Sacramento Kings, that is. Um as Sabonis said in the athletic article that uh, kind of broke uh, that uh, that reported this, Sabonis said, "quote It's been a long summer, a lot of expectations. Uh, everyone has put in a lot of work. Missing a large number of games just didn't seem right. If I could play through it, that's something I could at least try." End quote. And he seems to be doing pretty good. Um, however, <laughs> we noted before we even really knew if he was going to miss time or not, or what the situation was exactly. Cause he was just listed as questionable when the report came out. Um, you know, we wondered whether or not playing him, like does he, how much risk is there in like making the injury worse or furthering it? Now I'm a firm believer that it's dumb injury and he's probably going to play through this no matter what. And nothing was probably going to stop him anyways. But the question still stands. 
you know, what happens if he gets hurt and now he can't play again this season? You know, um, I'm not saying that it, that this isn't the right decision, but man, that sure comes up, doesn't it? Despite all the toughness and leadership from him, you know, just thinking about that. I think this injury is a little different and I'm okay with him playing through it. Maybe I think the biggest reason is that it's his offhand. If, it, if this was his left hand thumb, it's like, okay, this is a different conversation. Um, and yeah, it's like, of course you need both hands in basketball, but man, if that, if that if his dominant hands thumb is broken, um, I think that's just, it's just a little different, right? You need that a little more. Domas is mostly a lefty guy when he scores. So that'd be a big deal. And um, from the reports I've read, it's, it's it seems like no matter how many times it's going to get hit, it, it won't make it worse. It's just a pain tolerance thing, which makes me feel a little better about it. It's like, okay, like, he, Tomas is just a trooper right now for playing through this because it, it hurts and it's going to hurt even worse if it gets hit, but it's not going to make the injury worse. Um, and then I was also reading some accounts on social media. And again, like these aren't <laughs> credible sources, but I, I don't know. I don't know why people would lie about having the same type of injury. So his injury, I read a little more into it, is that the ligament in his thumb broke and it took a little thumb like a little like chunk of my thumb bone off with it. And so that's, that's the injury. That's why they called it a fractured ligament. And so I, I was reading people who said that they had the same injury and it's like, yeah, it's like, it hurts. Like it's, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's a broken ligament with a little piece of bone off. Um, I mean, those who have broke bones know how hard it can be. Um, but you know, um, but sorry, I was trying to get my my thoughts straight. But so what they were saying was that, yeah, it like hurts. And it's like it, it was just I mean, the long term effects for these people from what I read was that, like, yeah, it like it, it hurts when it gets cold out, you know, a couple of years down the line. So it's just maybe something he's putting himself at risk at is like, I don't know, like he maybe he'll he'll feel this down the line in his life, which, you know, I don't want I wouldn't want him to put him through that. But it's not like life or death or doesn't seem like this injury can get too much worse if he continued playing on it. It's not like his foot or something. Like again, like if it's a foot injury, it's a little different. I just think like I get it's your thumb and it's an important finger on your hand, but I don't know. It just seems like it's his offhand. He can play through it. It's not going to get worse. Um, <laughs> I mean, look how he's playing right now. It doesn't seem to be affecting him at all. So um, those are my thoughts. I'm okay with it. Just because I don't think, I mean, it could, I don't know. Maybe it can get, I don't know. The doctors say it can't get worse. So I, I guess I trust their opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, I think, I think you're hundred percent right. I mean, it's just, I think the story here is just like, this guy's just going to be playing through pain. And it's just, he's just, he's just freaking warrior. <laughs> you know, I, I think, um, it's just, uh, it's just, this guy's tough as nails and uh, he's important to this team. And I think that that matters so much more than just having him out there. Like imagine being his teammate. Like even if you didn't have a doubt in your mind that he'd miss any time, you know, just seeing him actually do it and continue being the leader that he is, you know, it just, I don't know. There's just no, there's no way to convince me that this guy's not, 
an elite generational basketball player. Like <laughs> this guy's so good. It's just in every facet of what he brings to a team on and off the floor, in the locker room, out of the locker room, all these things. Um, you know, again, like freaking shout out to Monty McNair <laughs> for getting this guy, you know? Yeah. Honestly, um, seriously. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like this was just an excuse to kind of just be like, man, this guy's freaking, this guy's awesome. Like, regardless if you're a Kings fan or not, just to, you don't even have to be a basketball fan necessarily. Like this guy, what he does in his profession and his, um, uh, I wouldn't call it a craft, but, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't, but, um, he's, what <laughs> <laughs> what he does in his, uh, sport, you know, uh, he's, he's so good. And, um, Man, I hope that I hope that um, man. You know, I don't, okay. I don't want to say this. I don't hope that he has lingering pain from this. But don't you think that's the kind of lingering pain that if you know, knock on wood for Kings fans, you know, let's say he somehow gets this team, you know, a memorable historic moment. Like I don't know something in the rafters. We'll just say, you know, like he, he could think about uh, he could think about that with the lingering pain. You know. Yeah, like it's like a reminder. I, I feel it. it's like yeah, they, yeah, he's man. Like Eighty years old. It's like looking at his thumb. It's gonna be like twenty degrees outside, and thumbs probably just aching. It hurts and to bend in. It's like yeah, this got me. This got us the two two thousand twenty two two thousand twenty three first place in the Pacific Banner up in the Golden One Center. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth it. Yeah, <laughs> highlight of my life. <laughs> now get my pain meds yeah exactly uh that's kind of funny i like that yeah. a, a reminder and i you know like he's and these were like i said like lingering injuries but these people that i was reading on social media they're like yeah we also didn't have you know world-class doctors i was going to the kaiser and south sack so it's like okay and like true it is a lot different the medical care he's getting so hopefully he doesn't have to deal with that um, I mean, does your thumb ever hurt, John? Come on. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I had a wrist injury maybe five, six years ago. When it gets cold out, like, yeah, it hurts. And it's kind of like a pain because it's like, you know, you don't, he's like, uh, you, I don't know. It's like something you take for granted, right? It's like, it's kind of like when your nose isn't stuffy and gets all like clogged and everything. You're like, yeah, remember those, remember those days I could just breathe normally through my nostrils? It's kind of like that. Just like when that wrist starts hurting or when Don't Watch the Stone starts hurting, it's just kind of like a, it's an inconvenience and it's just uncomfortable. But you, you um, hear that, Domas? Just sit out for the rest of the year. Come <laughs> on. Think about your future self. Yeah, dude, come on. But uh, no, it's Throw just, in the it's, towel, baby. It's really just adding on just to everything he's doing. And it's like, and it's not, again, it's not like the most severe injury or life threatening. It's like a thumb injury. And to a normal working man, it might it probably mean a lot more to have a broken thumb or a broken or a fractured ligament, as they call it. But um, yeah, he's he's awesome for playing through it. And that first game, he came back. He, I mean, what put up thirty and twelve or something with eight assists against Jokic against the two time MVP. So in a win over the Nuggets on top of all of it. So. He's um, 
Then goes 12 I mean, for 12 from the field against. Uh, for tw- it, it was that game? Oh, my God. No, that was against the. That was, the no, it was against game. the Jazz, yeah. Yeah. You, exactly, though, but just the next game. He's just been incredible. And obviously, this thumb's not going to slow him down at all. So I'm okay with him playing. And it just kind of adds on to the legacies or the building and stack. I mean, I mean, really. And it's so hard to say because it's, it's been so early on in his Sacramento career. He hasn't been played 82 games i mean, I don't even know how many games he's played maybe 50 now mm, probably yeah, less than I 60 so. i think but, i um, think it's i think it's 50 on the nose isn't it because they played 35 well did he miss a game he missed one game this year so it's around it's around there 40 to 50 around there. yeah and i mean the things he's doing for sacramento so far while they're winning games I mean, you can you can start putting him up there with all time Sacramento greats, honestly. Well, just because well, he, the list is ecstatic. Didn't he get to the? Didn't he get to the twenty five and five, like or twenty ten and five? I can't remember. Twenty third, twenty twenty five, thirty twenty five. Twenty twenty five, I believe. The one that what was the thing, and then, yeah, Chris Weber. Had yeah, the I same number twenty like four hundred games, and Domas yeah. did it in like forty. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. It's it's incredible, and he's just, I, like I said, one of the best players that has ever been in Sacramento. And then, like, we, like we had Rondo, and he led the league in assists. But like, what were the Kings doing that year, right? But this guy's actually, you know, putting results um, in the standings, and yeah, yeah, you can honestly say he's he's gonna. I mean, if he stays here long term, he's gonna be. Hopefully, you can even. Hopefully one day he's going to be, be competing with Weber. He's that he's that good. It's incredible. Yeah. So yeah. like he's like you said, hats off to Monte. Like, is it Monte or Monty? I think <laughs> it's Monty. But you always say Monte, and I'm just like, that's I know. Just thing. That's his thing. Is <laughs> <laughs> I just saying it wrong? I like Monte. I think Monte Ellis. Monte McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if Monte Ellis was just the Kings GM. He was pulling all these moves. You're just like he's, man, he's just incredible. This guy, What's that Monte, Monte. He's Jones. like, I, t- I tell you what, when the Warriors traded me, it was a big wake up call for me. I'm like, I could do that. I could trade. I could trade people like that. So I just wanted to trade Tyrese Halliburton. You know, yeah. piss off, piss off a bunch of fans, but then they'll act like they never got pissed off. Yeah, you know? exactly. Although I, <laughs> I, I still see comments on social media and just like, yeah, you wish, you we, you wish we should have traded. You wish we traded Fox instead, huh? Like, guys, come on. Like it was, it wasn't an option. Like, of course, you'd rather have Albert. No offense, fuck. If you're if you're listening to this, I know it's your weekly routine to listen to this podcast, but you know, yeah. I think that you could, you know, Fox. It's because you make more money. Halliburton was on his rookie deal, or he is, so it's a little cheaper. And might be a starting all star this year in the East, but you know, that's uh that's another, it's another. Reason, I guess, another topic, but Deer um, Fox like, yeah, but he didn't have a bruised foot. Yeah, exactly. And and, and Tyrese and, and and Tyrese's defense, he's doing it with Buddy Hield on his team, which is probably tough. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, but yeah, Domas is a, is a, he's good. He's a beast. Good no, he's he's, he's adequate. He's all right. He's no cousins. I know there's I mean, <laughs> the Kings fans out there probably say that. Demarcus Cousins should be the new NBA logo. 
Oh my god! I was him just probably chewing out a ref, or him throwing <laughs> the ball at Chris Paul. Here's she's <laughs> <laughs> like him winding up. Even <laughs> <Kayla go. laughs> That'd be so funny. With Chris Paul like cowering over. <laughs> yeah, is that legal? I'm sorry to go on another tangent. I don't think he got like called for a tech or anything. So just, like get off Paul and went out of bounds, and the Kings got the ball back. She's like chucking at him. She was pissed. I'm like, this is just. Like, it's, right. probably, it's probably the official's discretion, but I don't know. <laughs> they're, like, probably, right. they're probably like, DeMarcus always brings that kind of fire. So like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was, that's just a classic NBA moment, really. <laughs> chucking it. Chris Paul. I hate Chris Paul. But it's another it's another discussion. Just uh, We can go into so many just off topics and just <laughs> go down that rabbit hole, but. We'll we'll Def- try to keep it Kings related the best we can, but yeah. You know, so we don't can't. don't go down these rabbit holes where we're halfway knowledgeable about the topic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, what what else we got? We got more. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Uh, off of Domas, uh, you know, uh, seemed like for the last couple of weeks, topic of conversation has been the backup center. Sabonis' backup. And uh, over the last four or five games, uh, Rashawn Holmes looks pretty good. And, you know, it just, it, in terms of where he was when he first had the backup center job, he was like low energy, not super active on the floor. And his defense was just horrible. He would just foul. He had no timing. He had no fundamentals. Uh, instead of going straight up and defending vertically, he'd just get caught defending with his hands, getting whistles blown on him. And um, now he's playing with energy, providing good energy with the second unit. And he's defending the inside Fundamentally, you know, I would say he's defending the inside with uh, sound fundamentals uh, in, in that he is going straight up and not getting called for so many fouls. Um, there's just countless examples. It seems like there's two or three examples from each of these last three or four games where he's kind of had nice moments where it's like, OK, the lessons of Mike Brown and Jordy Fernandez are getting through to him. Now, he's not obviously DeMontis Sabonis on the offensive end, but who is? And mm-hmm. When we were talking about Rashawn Holmes being a backup center, we were talking about that energy being a factor and the the amount of intense dunks that he's had too. I don't think he had any in Memphis, maybe not even in the Utah game. Well, I think he did. But in those two Denver games, he was roaring, you know? He had a couple of big slams, I think, in those games. And I don't know. It's kind of what you're starting to see him look more and more like what we'd imagined. And it's such a stark contrast from where he was at the beginning of the season. Um, it's kind of nice, you know? <laughs> no, it's... He just seems like he cares again, really. And there, were, I think he said after one of the games that there was... Didn't he say he was, there was, like, personal issues that he was trying to work through? Or, he trying, oh. like, some reason why he wasn't... Had the same energy? Do you... Well, so, it, it was interesting because it was that uh, game where Sabonis sat out. And Alex Len started, and Holmes played really well. Um, Len played pretty pretty well given his time out there on the floor, but Holmes I think was the better of the two centers in that game. And 
it it seemed to me and maybe to others i think too that it's like okay this guy is getting a chance he's probably auditioning for other teams for a chance to be a starter somewhere more than anything else but then the quote that you're talking about he came in the post-game press conference and this really changed my opinion made me kind of unsure of what the situation is uh, almost thinking that he he is adamant about you know carving out uh, 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 an impactful role on this team he said that when he was going into the game earlier in the season he was overthinking things and not playing and doing the things that he usually does and now he's just going out there and just trying to be the old Rashawn Holmes and you're seeing it you're 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 seeing him run the floor you're seeing him get the emphatic jams you're seeing him be that high energy presence and you're seeing him learn some defensive fundamentals and I don't know. I mean, like, it just seems like I, I I don't even think about it so much as a topic anymore. It seemed like for three weeks there, it's like that backup center role is the, yeah. the lack of it. It just seems like it's rearing its ugly head in every game. And now it doesn't seem like that so much. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of a, kind of amazing. Honestly, yeah, it's a big, I would not have, I would not have imagined that like a week or two ago. Like I kind of thought I was of the belief that like Holmes kind of like, if anything, you play Holmes to try to trade him, (laughs) you know? And now it just seems Mm -hmm. like, it seems like he's pretty adequate as a backup center. And he, now I think this, these last stretch of games, you know, he's provided the best stretch of a backup five. Now granted it's five games, but, um, it's the best stretch as a, of, of, of any backup five this season. When originally it was probably Chemezi met two in like early November. Mm-hmm. And and that's what you're hoping for all along was for Holmes to play like starting Rashawn Holmes off the bench. And we're finally kind of getting a glimpse of that. And you said it earlier when we started this topic and he had a couple of emphatic slams against Denver. And like, I like right, he had this one dunk and it, he just slammed it down, gave it a little roar. Right. It's like okay, like that. Like Holmes is back. Like that's that's the Rashawn Holmes that I've been used to in Sacramento, and he just like I said, he just seems to care again. He was out there earlier this season, just like he just seemed like he didn't want to be out there, and now he's out there just putting in the effort, and it shows. He has that energy, um, and he has that passion again, really. So it's just been. It's just been awesome to see because it's going into the season. It's like, man, that that center position is locked up. And then it was just so many question marks so far this season for that backup because the bonus has been great, but everyone else has not. And, you know, you know, Holmes had it in him, too, just based off what we've seen in Sacramento the last three years. But I'm just I'm just really glad that he's really starting to embrace that backup role and um, showing that he can do it well and. You know, that's only going to be that's only going to be good for the Kings down the road if he can keep this up. And I I think he can. I know Holmes has it in him. He's he's a starting center big in this league. And, you know, if you can do it starting, you should be able to do it off the bench. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, it's just like that overthinking thing. It's like that's a plausible explanation. And given kind of the weird nature of his season last year, especially the way things kind of came to a close with the off the court issues, I could, it makes perfect sense that given the new situation, given trying to regain a rhythm after something like that, I could kind of get why he would have a, a, a poor spell, I guess, you know, where he's, he, he 
10, 15 games in the season, he loses his job, falls out of the rotation, sits out for about a month, and then gets another chance and works his way into it, which he kind of did. I mean, he got some time in Toronto two weeks ago, and then I think he got um, some time in that following Detroit game. And then he, I think he came in in the Washington game, which was like four games ago. So mm-hmm. maybe that was or five yeah. games ago. That was kind of the mm-hmm. that was the first one where it seemed like okay. And from there, it just has kind of gone uphill. He had he kind of peaked nicely with some of those uh, Denver games, but I mean, he's just each game. I'm just it's net positive for him. Yeah, great to see at that backup center role, and even even better to see that Holmes is doing it. So I would, I mean, I love Holmes off the bench. I think he's that spark. Uh, the Kings always had that gaff the bench. You provide that spark of energy, and yeah, you have Monk, but you know Holmes is that fan favorite, and he's gonna he's he's gonna you know throw down that oop that gets everyone into it. And it's usually a big man for the Kings too, like that Quincy AC kind of guy. Just that guy's yeah, gonna throw down a hard dunk and get everyone into it. Maybe get a little chippy with other players. I don't know. Holmes has it in him to be that guy and. He's a he's a good center too, so glad that it's starting to come together for him. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if any insight comes out as to you know if anything changed with him or if it's just a matter of time. Um, mm-hmm. See what specifically is behind this recent boost in play, but he's doing most of what Mike Brown wants out of that backup center role. I mean, you're not playing that much; you got to bring that energy, and you got to just not uh coming in freaking foul um, yeah but i mean the but it seems like even in spite of these last five games uh for holmes it seems like people still keep talking about mobamba or um Nerland's noel um i don't know i mean do you think like assuming that home let's say holmes just kind of like plateaus and plays this level of, you know, for the rest of the season. Uh, do you see any need to upgrade? Do you think that there's any, I mean, do you find that any of those would be upgrades? Do you see any need to make a move? I mean, he's only making about 2 million, maybe a little less than 2 million more than Nerland's Noel. So, but what's, I don't know. what's Noel's contract? Isn't he afraid he's got an, after this year? Yeah. He's got a team option that nobody would pick up. Yeah. And so that's where, Trading Holmes might be I well Holmes has what one more year or two more years on his contract after this year? The one year I think two. It's two. Let me double check. Okay. Yeah, no, I can't. I don't remember exactly either. But again, Holmes is making, you know, what did you say, eleven mil a year as a backup center with a couple a year or two left on his contract. You know. Yeah, he's got another year and then a player option. Oh, okay. Okay, that's interesting, that player option. But um, I don't know. You Maybe you can get a cheaper backup center. Maybe Kate is ready next year. Um, True. Because I don't know, $11 million for a backup center might be a little oh, and much. Then it, and, on, and to help the cause, too, it looks like it goes up to $12 million next year. Yeah, okay. There you go. So that's that's a reason for trading homes, maybe for a, a half-year yeah, half rental and a guy like Nerland's. Um, just so he's off the books next year and maybe you can sign a center for cheaper, a backup center for cheaper, or maybe Kate is ready or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a great point. So I'm, I'm okay with Holmes, but, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe he wants to be starting and you have to think of that too. 
Um, it's not all about him, but that contract, it's it's a starting center-worthy contract on a decent team, I guess. So um, I'm okay trading him, but if he's playing well, then sure, I'm happy to have him here too. I'm kind of open both ways. Like, I don't know. Is he really going to... I mean, we have Sabonis, you know. That backup center role is very important, but it's like, all right, if Nerland's Noel can do it for half a season, then... I mean, so be it. Holmes is expendable at that point. I might as well get rid of his contract. Yeah. And well, you bring bringing up the contract reality and whatnot and thinking ahead, which is always in play. Um, that really lends credence to the idea that maybe there was some conversation in the background. It's like, hey, Rich. Um, Rich? We, <laughs> what do you want Not to call Sean? him? Sean? Sean? <laughs> What's up, Sean? Sean? That's what they call him in the in the at the G1 uh the facilities um he's got all these names for things that nobody uses <laughs> it's Sean Holmes dude you don't know who Sean Holmes you're a Kings fan you know Sean Holmes Sean? you don't know Sean I don't mean Sean Holmes just Sean come on Sean dude come you know on Sean? dude come but I, I but I imagine this almost just kind of speculating here this kind of makes the idea that like someone was like, Hey, so we want to move you, but nobody wants you. Uh, <laughs> so why don't you just pretend like you're playing for a starting, you know, play for a starting job by playing as a good backup for a couple weeks, maybe a month, and then we'll trade you because it'll benefit both sides. Cause it would, as we're explaining here, or as you're explaining uh, with the contract situation and the obvious idea that Holmes probably would want to start, um, you know, that uh, it becomes mutually beneficial. That if you start playing well, that benefits the both of us. Which was the point I was also making when uh, I initially thought um, that he was trying out for other teams. But with the actual figures in mind for the contract and the reality next season, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, as long as it's not Mo Bamba, I think that's a good move. <laughs> That, it's a, it's interesting. It's that account. Um, forget the name, but it's the same account that I cited on the recap of the Memphis game for the Fox rotational talk. I really like that account because he he makes a lot of good points. But man, he's Mo Bamba all the way. And I'm like, Ma- Magnus know. Savage. Yeah, 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 Magnus? yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't think that's the guy. I don't think that's the guy. But what do I know? Um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. It seems like. If they can trade, they will. Um, but it could but be one of those. But they're not going to send him away for nothing because Holmes is a exactly. valuable player. As a fifth man uh, or as a backup five, I mean, off the bench uh, for that center position, it's uh, it's an important position. If he can do it well, then might as well keep him. Like You'd yeah. rather have that than just trade away his contract just because it's a little expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you, I mean, yeah, Menti did well for a second, but obviously that wasn't going to last too long. So if home and like Holmes has the, uh, the ability to do that for a longer stretch. So you'd rather have him, but um, exactly. Just, it, just, it, has to be, it has to be the right deal. Just on, I was just thinking about this, just on Metu. Imagine if Metu had to go in there against Deandre Jordan. <laughs> Dude, he just got destroyed. You did nothing. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, just undersized. He was never even a five in Sacramento until my that's why I liked over. I liked the uh, garbage time lineup the other night or against Memphis for the last minute and a half of the game. Delhi, TD, 
Akpala, uh, Metu, and Len. I'm like, this is a team that could win 15 games. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, like, imagine, imagine that team. And Terrence Davis is like a 25-a-game guy. <laughs> he could be on that team, yeah. Akpala just getting 35 minutes a game, all defensive team. <laughs> <laughs> He's like 1-3-3 three, and three is his averages. It's like a Tony yeah. Snell. Yeah, exactly. Total. Total Tony Snell. Metu, <laughs> the second highest scorer on the team. <laughs> 12 points. Yeah. Takes seven attempts from three, shooting 20%. <laughs> hey, that was reality last year. <laughs> hey, man. Hey. I liked it, though. Just in Metu's garbage time, he had a nice moment. I think he had like a little like turnaround spin finish or something in the post with like 40 seconds left. Put a little... uh note of that and i was like that'll go in his highlight reel at the end of the year i'll give you i'll give you props i was not paying attention <laughs> at that point in the game it's like once Stephen <laughs> adams got like two offensive rebounds and that's in, in the same possession i was like all right i'm done with yeah. this this is, that was this is a little this is hard to watch that's when i started like hitting stuff punching the couch <laughs> like, all right <laughs> Yeah, I was giving you an insight. Yeah, Tony, Tony's life. not allowed to. He's not allowed to have pets anymore. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> for any of those. He, for any of those who think that he's uh, he's being honest, I guess I gotta save face. But That's um, right. it was uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a rough game against Memphis. But um, yeah, Rashawn Holmes. <laughs> Richie, Richie Sean. Richie Sean. Richie H. Sean H. Sean H. Sean H. Sean. It's a Rashonathon, as I like to call when he's doing well or he's in the game. Dude, it's a Rashonathon. <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah. Is that is that all the topics we have? Pretty much. I mean, the Kings. Just on like you know the Kings, they have you know this season they're uh, ten and three versus teams that are below five hundred. This is an mm-hmm. important stretch of fifteen games coming up because thirteen of their next fifteen teams, as it stands now, have losing records, um, and that means you know the the, the Kings in their next fifteen. <laughs> well, you should win like eleven, twelve games, right? <laughs> You would hope, but um, the way they played the Wizards and the Hornets make me uh, question that. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. But it, you're right; it's an important stretch. You said uh, in the next 15, how many are below 500? 13. But I mean, that's including that's Utah and Atlanta. I mean, like, yeah, it's like those borderline teams, teams that might change there's, by the time you play them. Yeah, they're they're still. Like you, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I was surprised that Atlanta had a lose. They're like sixteen and eighteen, I think. So they're mm-hmm. like near there. And then I think Utah's one game below. Um, so it's like you could easily classify those teams as, uh, you know, I mean, if they are at five hundred against teams that are five hundred or better, the Kings are nine and thirteen. So, you know, it's a fine line yeah. with those teams. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, as a winning team. You know, especially where the Kings are, they're not not championship level contenders yet. Sorry for those who think they what. <laughs> but this is where you have to start establishing yourself as a winning team. That's what made those losses to Charlotte and Washington so frustrating. Because those are teams the Kings should be winning uh, against, and 
So like, yeah, like you want to beat those above 500 teams to show like you're the best of the best. But again, the Kings aren't quite there yet. They can hang with them, but um, you know, if you're, you're even going to try to be like a six seed in the West, you, you got to start beating those under 500 teams or those, you know, the, the Houston Rockets of the league and teams like that. And um, yeah, it, it is an important stretch because the Kings on this homestand should have gone four and two at least. And they ended three and three, a little frustrating, but um, you know, they have the opportunity to make it back up with a bunch of, you know, in quotes, easy games ahead. They need to win these games and prove to the league, like, okay, like the Kings, like they're a good team in this league, regardless of who they're beating. At least they're, at least they're winning the ones they need to win. And that's important in itself. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned Houston there, and uh, we'll play them. Tw- the the Kings will play them twice, um, and one of those was supposed to be on ESPN. Yeah, got moved. Because who didn't want to watch the Kings versus the Rockets? It's it seemed like a mistake from the beginning. Because when they, the schedule came out and I saw that, I'm like, that's the because that was the before they gave them the the Nets game. That was the only nationally televised one. Ye, no, yeah, I thought they had one more. Well, don't they have a don't... magic game? Do they? Are they? Don't they have uh, a magic game. Well, now I'm, uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Maybe I'm crazy. I swear, there's like the magic. I'm like, okay, like that makes sense. Murray versus Bancaro. But maybe mm. I'm just a hundred percent wrong. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, just the NBA TV games, which that's not national TV. No, those don't count. Um, okay, yeah, that was the did, did seem like a mistake. Maybe I was thinking Jabari Smith Jr. Maybe okay, Smith Jr. versus Keegan three versus four, but no, what's Jabari I mean, Smith? What's, what's Jabari Smith doing? I feel like he's the least talked about. Yeah, I rookie. have no idea. Let me look. Jabari Smith Jr. Go, but good old basketball thing, reference. But Kings fans don't get down because the Kings are going to be they'll, they'll, the, the, the balance will shift back into their favor they're gonna get another uh nationally televised game down the line i'm sure i mean like i don't know what espn games have wednesdays looking at march 29th in portland that could probably be a pretty pivotal game for playoff standings western conference situations that's on a wednesday i mean there'll be other options considering you know barring disaster this team should be competing all the way down the line yeah, so things will it'll come back their way. Nobody wanted. Yeah. Let's be honest. Nobody wanted to watch. <laughs> yeah, the Kings just route the Rockets on ESPN. Hey, give us a good game, right? Yeah, I, I would. I would much prefer that. I'd much rather trade in that game for an actual good game. It's like, yeah, whatever. I could watch this. <laughs> I could watch the Kings on the Rockets, like you know, with fifty percent of my attention, really. But um, <laughs> and still barely care. Yeah, the Kings won by ten. Hopefully, right? I'm going to jinx it. Rockets win my 35, which would have yeah, been they, terrible too, right? <laughs> if it's on yeah. national television. That'd it's not much awesome. of a win-win there. But, um, yeah, they, I agree. I think the Kings will they'll get that opportunity later because the Kings are, again, proving, to them, proving that they are a playoff team in this league. So, yeah, they, they might change one of those games. Again, that Portland game in February or March, you said. It could be an important one where ESPN's like, oh, okay, 
let's probably move the Magic Charlotte game. And then they're going to be like, oh, okay, so one national television <laughs> game a year. <laughs> uh, but, uh, would, Mark, would Mark Jones do the ESPN game? I hope not. <laughs> I think he would. I, something tells me that they would. I feel like that's a, you know, one, com- I don't know if it's a complaint. Maybe I'm willing to admit I'm wrong on this or reading too much into it, but it's like there's an element to Mark Jones that I feel like he takes a lot of credit for the perception change of the Kings. Yeah, I've been talking to people on the national TV, you know, <laughs> I've been t- yeah, I've been telling them about the Sacramento Kings. It's like, all right, man, take it easy. Like, <laughs> walking with a strut there, pal. Like, how long yeah. have you been doing this job? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah, it'd be a big stretch coming up though. They gotta, they gotta, they gotta win regardless if they're on national TV or not. Yeah, yeah, they do. Big stretch, important stretch, just to show, just to show everyone that, and not everyone, but more importantly themselves, like, and the. The fans, I guess, just everyone. I'm just gonna backtrack to everyone. <laughs> they they can beat those easy, those easy or win those easy games, right? It's just it's just important. I already said it. I'm not gonna repeat myself. Important yeah. stretch. Need to win a handful. They need to have a winning record at the end of these 15 games. Yeah, but back to back time. Utah, Atlanta, which is a weird one. Go from Utah back home to play Atlanta. Yeah, um, that'll be fun. Utah is going to – that first Utah game was really fun. That would have been a good one for national TV. I know. Um, that was a very fun game. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see what they do against them again and then a second of a back-to-back again against Atlanta. And Kevin Herter just – Kevin Herter can't – Kevin Herter can't get adequate rest before he plays his former team. I know. But Poor guy. Hopefully he comes in with a chip. This he's time shooting he's really well. He's just, over the last seven or eight games, he's shooting like – over forty three percent, I think. Yeah, he's he's back. He's got that stroke back, so that's. And when the Kings shoot over thirty five percent from three, they generally win. I think yep. thirty six or something like that. It's probably with most yeah. teams, but still. Kevin Hurt starts with him, right? Yeah, yeah shoot over thirty five from three. He'd better have three threes that game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so no, it's been a tough stretch, like six games in nine days. Like back to back three and four nights. So you had Denver, two Denvers and the Jazz. Yeah. And you're gonna have Grizzlies and then Utah and um Atlanta. As a lot of games, so hopefully the Kings get, don't get too tired. Um, but they'll have Jazz. two days off there, and this is what happens when you get three days off for Christmas, basically. Yeah, that's very true. You, you pay Suck for it up. later. Suck Come it on. up. <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's see what they do. Jazz probably want want revenge. It's pretty soon after too, so probably like for revenge on their home floor. Atlanta, maybe the Kings will look for revenge against what Atlanta did earlier. Kevin Herter want to show up at home against his former team, and he's like recently liked a tweet where Kendrick Perkins was like, "Yeah, what the what the hell is Atlanta doing trading Kevin Herter for? Like, do they not realize like his value?" So yeah, and then Dejounte uh, Murray's not doing very well there. Yeah, yeah. So I, it might be a big Kevin Herter game. He's the guy to watch. Obviously, it's the former team, but you know, even more so for grudge, possibly. Right for a, an eruption. 
from him in that game. So bring we'll the see. fire. It's playing bring well. the fire. Playing. Yeah. Red Velvet. The Red Dog Canine. Has everybody's calling him Canine? <laughs> it's kind of funny. He should be called Clifford, Big Red Dog. Clifford, I like that. Clifford! Clifford. <laughs> Here we go again, referring Just, to him as a name that nobody's... Wait, why are you calling him Cliff? Well, we call him Clifford, right? Because he's a canine, right? And he's a redhead, so he's a red dog. So we call him Clifford, but we call him Cliff for short. And it's like, why yeah. do you do any of that? <laughs> exactly. Seems like it's more confusing. Like, you just don't one understand. Of, these will catch on one day. And one you day. know what? Just... You can credit back to Kingstock. Absolutely. So, yeah. We're trained. We're trained starters. We're not followers. <laughs> we started the bean. <laughs> <laughs> Light the beam. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoy that commercial as much as we did. But um, <laughs> I don't want to get into that. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> That's yeah. That's just, that's, we're never gonna touch it. But okay, <laughs> I think that's officially all we have for today. Am I yeah. am I right this time? Yeah, yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and hopefully, the Kings win tonight against the Utah Jazz. This is Tony and John <laughs> signing off. John, wrap it up if you need to. Well, if the Kings don't beat the Jazz, I'm sure they won't be too jazzed about that. There we go. All right, turn it off. Turn it off. All right, Tony and John, thank you for tuning in. Turn it off.